Thank you for downloading the Walking On Air podcast. Before I begin, I would like to thank the three fantastic sponsors of this podcast. Where are you going on holiday this year? Will you be exploring the mysterious moorlands of Dartmoor or the lovely lakes of the Lake District? Perhaps you would like an adventure in Andalusia or an autumnal wine walk in Sicily or Spain. Do you want to return to the roots of Nordic walking and have a go at cross-country skiing in Norway? Or are you looking for a challenge walk somewhere further afield in Africa, India or Canada? You can find holidays to all these incredible destinations and many more at walkingwomen.com. Local women guides provide in-depth knowledge of each area and will encourage you to walk a little longer and walk a little higher. Use the discount code WOA23 to get a £50 discount off your next walking holiday. Walking women take care of the organisation so you can take care of yourself. The next sponsor is the go-to supplier of brilliant Nordic walking poles. Nordicwalk.store is the leading independent online retailer of quality Nordic walking poles in the UK. Always warm and friendly, I can vouch for the fact that you will get excellent customer service in their capable hands. Nordicwalk.store will deliver Lecky and XL poles the next day anywhere in the UK and if you need advice about which pole is right for you, then contact Paula, who is always happy to help answer your questions. And finally, have you ever considered turning an activity you love into your actual job? If you enjoy being outdoors, meeting new people and staying fit, why not train to become an instructor yourself? British Nordic Walking offers internationally recognised high-quality instructor courses and provides amazing ongoing support for its instructor network. If this sounds tempting, then you can book an instructor training course with a £25 discount if you visit www.britishnordicwalking.org.uk, click on the Train With Us tab and book using the discount code WALKING23. I trained with British Nordic Walking back in 2014 and it provided me with all the information I needed to start teaching and gave me the confidence to set up as an instructor on my own. As a British Nordic Walking instructor, you too will benefit from ongoing support from the community and CPD opportunities to enhance your own knowledge. Further details, discount codes and links to the sponsors' websites can be found in the show notes. Welcome to Series 2 of the Walking On Air podcast, the podcast for all Nordic walkers, wherever you may be around the world. I'm Mary Tweed, an instructor with British Nordic Walking. Each week I will be discussing various topics with Nordic walkers who are experts in their own particular fields, covering a diverse range of topics so we can all learn about the benefits of walking in general and Nordic walking in particular, as well as other great tips for well-being and improved health. If you find this podcast beneficial, then I would be extremely grateful if you would consider occasionally making a small donation, the price of a cup of coffee, by clicking on the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. This helps cover the cost of producing these podcasts. Thank you. (music) 
Today, I'm talking to Julia Mitchell from Healthy Steps in Warwickshire, where she teaches Nordic walking, Tai Chi and a healthy approach to life. 20 years ago, Julia was a busy IT executive, but then a diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis, a form of rheumatoid arthritis that affects the spine, forced her to reassess her priorities. In a recent episode with John Horton, I discussed osteoarthritis, which is caused when the smooth cartilage of a joint surface wears out. In this episode, Julia and I discuss rheumatoid arthritis, a long-term autoimmune disease that causes pain, swelling and stiffness in the joints. Typically, there are periods when symptoms become worse, known as flare-ups that cause damage to the joints. These flare-ups are totally unpredictable. Today, we particularly focus on ankylosing spondylitis, often known as AS, and we will learn from Julia's experiences how Nordic walking can be of benefit. Hello and welcome to Walking On Air, Julia Mitchell. Thank you, Mary. It's lovely to be here. As I mentioned in the intro, your priorities changed when you received your diagnosis. Please could you fill us in on how much exercise you were doing at the time and what sort of exercise that was? So back in 2000, when I was diagnosed, then primarily I was horse riding. I had my own horse. And so that was what took up most of my time. Um, And then I did swim and I did a little bit of gym work, but primarily it was horse riding. And so how did you get into Nordic walking? Well, it was quite random, to be honest. So I'd been cross-country skiing a couple of times, loved it, found it the hardest thing I've ever done, but did really (laughs) enjoy it. And then my local WI did a taster session for Nordic walking, and I really loved it. I particularly like the fact that it works your triceps as well. So it's part of the whole body workout. It's really working the triceps as well. So really enjoyed that. And then a friend of mine who's a physio actually sent me an email and said, I saw this and thought of you. And I thought, wow, that's a brilliant idea. I'd never thought about becoming an instructor. I just enjoyed doing it. But it was actually that email that prompted me to become an instructor. And um, what are the benefits that you've experienced since learning to Nordic walk? Well, the the whole body workout, certainly. I loved walking. So although when I was originally diagnosed, my primary exercise was horse riding, that has changed in recent years where I lost my horse three years ago. So I love walking anyway. I've got a dog, so we did lots of country walks. But obviously with Nordic walking, then you're really using the whole body. You're really getting that aerobic workout and you really feel like you're out of breath I mean you can obviously tailor it as as much as you need to but for me I like that feeling of having an aerobic workout and just being outside just being in the fresh air no matter what the weather then just being outside and using the whole body for the movements And today's episode, we're focusing on rheumatoid arthritis. And in particular, we're talking about ankylosing spondylitis, which uh, is the diagnosis that you have. Please, could you explain to the listeners, firstly, what causes rheumatoid arthritis, and then possibly explain exactly what ankylosing spondylitis 
is because some people may not have heard of it. Sure, absolutely. So rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory condition. And in terms of ankylosing spondylitis, then it primarily affects the spine, but it can also affect the eyes and the bowel. And interestingly, well, for me, and luckily, I was diagnosed by a doctor in Canada when I had a flare-up of iritis, also known as uveitis. And I'd had many flare-ups in the UK previously. It's treated by steroid injections into the eye. It's incredibly painful and it can also lead to sight loss. So it was while I was sitting in agony in the A&E department of this Canadian hospital with a doctor saying, do you ever have back pain? And I was thinking, why is he asking me about my back? Just just inject me with steroids, please. And I said, well, yes, I've had back pain for nearly 10 years, but I worked in sales. So I sat down all day. So I just kind of accepted it as one of those things. And he said, well, I think you may have ankylosing spondylitis. I think you should go and see your GP, have these particular tests, x-rays, etc." So that's what happened. And they all came back positive. The x-rays showed signs of fusing in the spine already. And so it was suggested to me that I should think about changing career. Um, But I'm lucky that I uh, haven't had the related bowel problems. It is purely the eyes and, uh, and the spine. Just to clarify, ankylosing spondylitis, it's typified by the spine eventually fusing together, isn't it? The different vertebrae. That's correct. Yes. So, yes, so it can be typically it takes eight and a half years to get diagnosed. And so during that time, the spine has the opportunity to keep inflaming. And then as the inflammation reduces, that's when the the fusing can occur. And so it's a continuous process. And yes, undiagnosed, then worst case, the, the spine can fuse and it can fuse into a curved shape so that you end up actually looking towards the ground rather than being able to look straight ahead. So it can affect the the hips and other joints as well. In fact, I had a full knee replacement three years ago. For me, relatively speaking, then you well, you wouldn't know if you looked at me now, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong with me. And it's purely because when I was given that diagnosis, Although at the time I had big financial commitments and I was doing a job I absolutely loved that had a very big salary, after a couple of years of pondering, I decided to choose health over wealth. So I made those lifestyle choices of food changes to my food and movement to make sure that my spine didn't fuse. My logic was if I keep moving, my spine doesn't have time to fuse. So that was that was kind of my logic. And uh, thankfully, it seems to have worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look very well. So has has it worked? Yeah, well, it, it, it really has. Yes, I I do sometimes have to remember that I still have AS. You can't cure AS. You can relieve the symptoms. You can try and reduce the fusing, but you can't cure it. So I do have to remember that I still have it. And so if it's a long 
journey in a car, then I stop regularly so I can get up and stretch. And the same with long periods of standing, that's not very comfortable either. So I have to kind of move about on a regular basis. But compared to the pain that I was in throughout my 20s and 30s, I'm on no medication now and I'm in very little pain as long as I do my stretches every day. And I am just so passionate about sharing that story with other people that you don't actually have to get less mobile as you get older. You can do the exact opposite. You can be far more mobile as you get older. Also, for me, I really didn't enjoy sport as a child. I was the chubby child. I was the one that was never picked for any sport. So it's really quite hilarious that the fact that I spend my days now either teaching Nordic walking, teaching Tai Chi, or just generally helping people with their health and well-being. And in fact, recently, my husband and I started doing park run on a Sunday, um, sorry, on a Saturday morning, but Nordic walking park run. And that's been fantastic because, again, it's really exhilarating being out there. And, and we've had a really positive response, actually, apart from the odd person who shouts, oh, we just need to get you jogging now. <laughs> <laughs> to which I say that is not the point no but, not. <laughs> that is not the point of Nordic walking um but yes I am absolutely a believer that just because you're given a diagnosis doesn't mean that that has to happen what might potentially happen doesn't have to happen by making those small changes then it can really make a difference Can I talk a little bit about the changes that I've made to my diet here as well? Yes, please do. Please do. So about probably about five years ago, I had a really severe flare up of uveitis. And I'd had several flare ups over the last um, 15 years up until that point. And I'd always just been treated with steroids, steroid injections or steroid drops. And my consultant at this particular time was a South African lady. And she said, in South Africa, we don't treat things in isolation. We look at things much more holistically. And there's something else going on in your body. You've got AS. You keep getting these flare-ups. I suggest you go and see a nutritionist. So the nutritionist suggested that I looked at cutting out inflammatory food groups, which included gluten, sugar, the nightshade family, so sort of tomatoes, potatoes, etc., and dairy. And touch wood, I'm not sure I've got any wood near here, but I haven't had a flare-up of iritis since. Wow. So again, it's got to mean something. I'd had that many flare-ups before. And also what was really crucial at that particular time was that I almost lost the sight in my left eye. She wasn't sure that the steroids were going to work that time. She wasn't sure that she was going to be able to reduce the inflammation and um, stop the damage to the eye. Thankfully, they did work. I've got a little bit of scarring, but not very much. Uh, But as I say, I've I've had no flare-ups of iritis since. So, yeah. An amazing story. Thank you. I wanted to ask you how rheumatoid arthritis affects somebody's physical fitness. With AS, it's a, well, and and with rheumatoid arthritis in general, it tends to be 
a gradual onset of stiffening. So rather than kind of an injury where you're suddenly stiff, it's quite gradual. And so it can almost take a a while for people to realise that something's happening and they need to do something to change. So with AS in particular, then it's early morning stiffness that actually wears off during the day. And it's it will get better the more movement that you do, which, again, is quite a difficult thing to grasp if you're in a lot of pain to then be told to get moving then you can think, well, I'm I'm in pain, I can't move. So it's having the confidence to accept that actually by doing these small, gradual amounts of movement. I mean, I do stretches every day. The doctors and the and the physios do tell me that I am their model patient. And I like being their <laughs> model patient because I do stretches before I even get out of bed. So there are a few stretches I do for my spine every morning. And then I go and lie on the bedroom floor and I do some more. So that's the thing is making it part of your daily routine. Um, It can cause fatigue and tiredness. So again, that can be really difficult to get yourself motivated to do some exercise if you're feeling really tired. And also it can cause night sweats. which again the night sweats can then result in leaving you feeling really tired because you're not getting a good night's sleep so it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle and in fact a real turning point for me was that my local hospital the physio department had a 10-week course called back in action and during that time they took us through all different types of exercise. They actually didn't include Nordic walking. And I'm really trying to get into the local hospital physio department at the moment. So uh, I'm on a bit of a mission. But it just helped me to realise that a little bit of discomfort is not always a bad thing. Pain is a different thing. And obviously a physio or a doctor is going to tell you what's right or wrong there. But sometimes a little bit of discomfort is no bad thing to get you over that hurdle to be able to then continue to do more and to ultimately feel so much better. So you've mentioned the fatigue and the pain as barriers to exercise. Are there any other barriers for people with rheumatoid arthritis or AS? And what are those barriers and how can they be overcome either by the individual suffering from AS or by an instructor? So definitely the the pain and the the stiffness, um, or sorry, the the pain and the fatigue, but also the stiffness. So again, just kind of getting going if you're feeling really stiff. But small regular sessions, I would say to kind of accept that from a Nordic walking point of view, it may take a little longer to get the, the 10 steps because of the stiffness. And there may have to be adaptations in the same as there are for Nordic walking with Parkinson's, for example, depending on the level of fusing that someone already has. But it's little and often. That's what I would say about anything is little and often just building it up gradually and listening to your body. So just listening to your body and, and knowing what you can do and just gradually making those improvements. But the poles can help so much. I was going to ask you, how does Nordic walking help people with AS in particular? So certainly having the poles 
to to push down on with that extension as you push down as you take the arm backwards that really helps to straighten the spine and open the chest and straighten the spine and obviously the spinal curving is one of the big things with AS. And it's quite funny going back to park run that obviously there are some really good runners there and people that love running, absolutely fine. But there are also some people that have such bad, poor posture that actually if they just took up Nordic walking instead, they'd get the same calorific aerobic workout, but their posture would be improved so much. So so the poles help to improve the posture, but they also help to support the individual as well. So what adaptations to the 10-step technique do you make when teaching other people with rheumatoid arthritis? And what adaptations do you make for yourself with AS? Again, it would be a case of looking at the individual at the time and just assessing them as we go and potentially taking a little bit longer to move through each stage. The rotation and the full extension may be difficult to get depending on the level of fusing. In all honesty, I still struggle a little bit with rotation because although my fusing isn't severe, it is a little bit fused. So I do have trouble with rotation, but I'm working on it. And mm-hmm. um, so those are the two areas that I would say would be the most challenging. But but certainly we, c- we can Nordic walk. <laughs> we can definitely Nordic walk. Whatever the level, we can definitely Nordic walk. And are there any patients with rheumatoid arthritis who can't Nordic walk for any reason? I guess with with really severe fusing, if they're really bent over, then it they may well they certainly wouldn't be able to have the full ten steps. I don't see any reason that they wouldn't be able to still get some benefit from it, to still get some enjoyment from being outside in the fresh air, being with a group of people. And in fact, one of the real joys, if you like, that I get is when someone comes to one of my sessions and thinks that they actually can't walk very far and they've been dragged along by a friend and they're really not sure and that they might just do a bit and then watch a bit and then half an hour later they're striding up and down the field saying I can't believe that I can do this because the poles help so much both with confidence and also physically helping. And that that rolling through the foot as well, that's something else that's really important, that rolling through the foot, the lengthening of the stride, all of these things help to open up the joints and it's the closing down, the tightening of the joints that's so difficult with rheumatoid arthritis and in particular with AS. So actually Nordic walking just naturally means that you lengthen your stride without you trying to, it just, happens so so that's really rewarding when I see people as I say just doing things that they didn't think that they could do so I believe everybody if they can walk then I believe everybody can get some benefit out of Nordic walking and is one of the 10 steps that you find particularly beneficial I'm not sure I can limit it to one. You can have more. Well, it's the two that I've suggested that might be the most difficult, but that's probably why I think they're the most beneficial. So the push down, um, the full extension, because as you're pushing down, you're then pushing the body upright. 
then that really helps. And also that rotation, really trying to get the rotation, because as you're doing the rotation, you're moving those vertebrae. And that's what we really need to do, particularly in AS, is to keep those vertebrae, those joints and the flu between those joints to really keep them moving. So actually being able to, to do those, the two steps in particular, then I think that it's, that's really beneficial. And does that spinal movement slow down the progression of AS? Indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, I do believe that I have been quite lucky because I've had very limited flare-ups and it's the flare-ups that then as the flare-ups reduce, they then cause the fusing as the bones and the ligaments are healing. And I, and I've had very limited flare-ups but by keeping the spine moving by keeping the body upright that's got to be a good thing for the health of the spine and finally do you have a top tip for our audience on how to walk on air well although we're talking about nordic walking i would actually say the kind of the bit in between before we get going or when we're finished and just having the time to just stop and just breathe, just being out in the fresh air, just appreciating what's around us and just taking that time to just stop and enjoy. Wonderful. Julia, thank you so much for coming on Walking On Air today. You've been great. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I really enjoyed my conversation with Julia today and I think what I found most inspiring was talking to somebody who, despite being given a diagnosis of a very chronic condition, has taken control of the situation and made lifestyle choices both through activity with Nordic walking and through diet to improve her situation and has actually slowed down the progression. I just find that completely inspirational and I really hope that you do too. I will put links in the show notes to organisations relating to rheumatoid arthritis and to ankylosing spondylitis. So if you're keen to find out more, please do have a look and click on those links and you can read more about both of those. I do hope that you enjoyed Walking On Air And if you have enjoyed doing so, then I would be extremely grateful if you could spare 30 seconds to like and review this podcast on the platform that you listen on and hit the subscribe button, particularly if you listen on Apple Podcasts. It will help spread the word about Nordic Walking and about this podcast. If you have any feedback, suggestions or a story that you want to share on this podcast, please get in touch by emailing me at hello at walkingonairpodcast.co.uk. Have a great week and happy Nordic walking. And finally, before I go, I would just like to thank this episode's sponsors, British Nordic Walking, nordicwalk.store and Walking Women. Their support enables our community to share knowledge and learn together.